Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're Identical Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. Thank you for being here. This is Hymn Talk, Talk Twin Talk, Talk, where we talk a lot about hymns and a little about twins. <laughs> But right now, we're talking about this hymn, today's mm-hmm. hymn, and it's all because of our friend, Sandra. Sandra. Oh, we love Sandra. She's a big fan of Hymn Talk, Twin yes. Talk, and actually, this is her second request, isn't it, Carrie? This is her second request. Mm-hmm. So she submitted one of our first ever hymn yeah. requests. Yeah. I think she was the, maybe the first one outside of our parents. I don't know. <laughs> but she wanted the hymn, We've a Story to Tell to the Nations. So we know Sandra. Uh, we have a couple of mutual friends, mm-hmm. and we've we, met her a, a couple of times. I've gone to her house. Wow! Yeah, um, we love her, Sandra. I'm waiting for the invite to get to your house too. <laughs> well, Kelly, you get invited to a lot of things, and you don't come. So it's not Sandra's fault that you well, haven't been to her house. Let's just pretend it is. <laughs> so Sandra loves the Lord, mm-hmm. and she loves hymns, and she like studies. She's she studies the word and she studies the hymns. The text becomes just part of her study, mm-hmm. part of her daily devotional. It's which is, you know, what we want for all of our listeners. It would be so great. So she picks this hymn. We immediately like it and know it. Oh. It is a hymn that has mass appeal. It's old. It was written in the 1750s. Um, it was. It's in over a thousand hymnals. And the thing that I think is interesting about it, being so old and still having some old language. It's found in many different hymnals. You'll see it in a Baptist hymnal, a Mm. Lutheran hymnal, Mm. an Episcopalian hymnal. And honestly, you'll find it in a Catholic hymnal. We learned that one of the writers who's attributed to the hymn was a Catholic. So you'll see it in all these different hymnals and church denominations. And that's, that's kind of rare. Right. So I asked her, okay, so what is it about this hymn? Why, why'd you pick it? Why mm-hmm. do you like it? And she said, and this is a direct quote. Oh. <laughs> Attention, please. She said, I love it because the music sounds like a majestic tribute to the royal heavenly king. Yeah. Doesn't Sandra sound awesome? She should have her own hymn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's tell everybody the name of the All hymn. All right, here it is, you guys. Sandra's request. Oh, worship the king. We know Sandra's clapping. I hope you all are clapping too. Right. Now, this hymn is famously attributed to Psalm 104. Okay. Okay, so that's the what we say on Hymn Talk to Doc. Hymnspiration. The hymnspiration is Psalm 104. Now, for some church traditions, there is a long history of singing the psalm, that the psalm's words were put to music and sung. We don't do that in our church, but there are many church church traditions that have, along with a hymnal, they have what's called a psalter. What's that? What's <laughs> a that? psalter? What's it that? sounds like someone who adds seasonings to your entrees. I was thinking it sounds like someone who attacks you. A psalter. <laughs> oh 
Yours is so much more aggressive. But neither of those. Well, you could aggressively season. You could. You could. (laughs) No, it's Salter. It's P-S-A-L-T-E-R. So it starts like a psalm, the word psalm. Right. Yeah. And it is basically a hymnal Mm -hmm. of all the psalms, like the direct words of them from some whatever translation or transliteration there was. So a Psalter. Now, in the Catholic Church, they have the tradition where the cantor would sing the verses of the psalm, Mm -hmm. and then the congregation would respond with some refrain. Right. And sometimes the refrain was just one of the verses that just kept, that they would just repeat. As you know, Psalms were all sung in in the biblical times. They were they were the hymnal. That's the original hymnal. Of course, we don't know what the music was. No I actually want to get to heaven and talk to King David about the music that went with these psalms. So they all were sung. So this is a tradition that is right directly from the Bible. We don't have those psalm tunes from back then. And so composers have added their own tunes. Um, for a while, they were very much chant-like. You right. could probably kind of imagine. I, that's exactly how I imagine it to and be. And because there's no rhyming pattern, no. because of course they were translated, I actually wonder if in the original Hebrew language, right. if they did rhyme, and it was only after they were translated that they don't rhyme anymore. Um, so a lot of it is just kind of like this loose, free kind of tempo and singing, and that is the tradition in a lot of churches. All right, so we thought, just for fun, we would show you Psalm 104, which is the inspiration for Oh, Worship the King. We would show you that as a song. It is the exact text from the Bible Mm -hmm. set to music. So we found this setting written by a composer named Bill Hayes, and we thought we would share it with you. So this is this first part is the refrain. Mm-hmm. So in the church tradition that I'm familiar with, the cantor would sing the refrain and then the congregation would echo it back. Okay. So you guys echo it back. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. All right, so that is Psalm 104.30. Send forth your spirit. They are created, and you renew the face of the earth. So that's the, that's the verse that this hymnal editor chose to be the refrain mm-hmm. that keeps coming back and back and back. And then the verses are the other verse. So do you want to hear those? Bless the Lord God, O my soul, O Lord my God, you're great indeed. How wonderful are all of your good works. And then she, or he, the cantor, raises up his arms and the congregation sings in response. Sing it with us. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. And it would go back and forth like right. that, cantor congregation. I mean, this isn't the hymn that we're singing. But I know, I've we've spent a lot of time on it. But it's so fun to see a psalm completely set to music, mm-hmm. completely original, right? Mm-hmm. And and you can really see how a, a songwriter can be a little creative. I mean, here's a musical nerd moment. M&M's, always fun. But the songwriter really chose really interesting harmonies, yes. different chords, mm-hmm. different modes very different. Right. And now we have 
the hymn, Oh, Worship the King, which is inspired by Psalm 104. It's totally different from this. Right. No, none of the words really are the same. Mm-hmm. And so we, it's just we're really careful when we say, you know, singing the psalm. This, what we just did, was, in fact, Psalm 104. But Oh, Worship the King was, like, inspired, inspired. By Psalm 104. 104. And that, I just, we love that because we see God's people using the creativity that God has given us, right? God would never want us to all sing the exact same song in the exact same way Mm -hmm. every single time. We do have that creative spirit that he gives us. So we thought we would do something a little different and read Psalm 104 for you. So get this beautiful psalm of praise, just like what Sandra said about the hymn. Mm. It's this beautiful psalm that praises our great and majestic God. Let's read for you Psalm 104 and have the tune of O Worship the King played in the background. Okay. Here is Psalm 104. All right. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment? Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain? Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters? Who maketh the clouds his chariot? Who walketh upon the wings of the wind? Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire? who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou coveredst it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth the springs into the valleys, which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests, as for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats, and the rocks for the conies. He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knoweth his going down. Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forests do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey, and seek their meat from God. The sun ariseth, they gather themselves together, and lay them down in their dens man going forth unto his work and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships, there is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait 
all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou givest them they gather, thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good, thou hidest thy face, they are troubled, thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. That was a fairly long chapter. I don't think we've ever read anything that long. I know. But I loved it because we, of course, we heard the verse that we just sang, right? The modern adaptation. And then we got to hear, we got to read our Hymn Talk Twin Talk verse. Yes, this is what kind of started it all for us. We put this on everything. All mm-hmm. our emails, yep. everything we put out has this verse. Psalm 104, 33. I will, I will sing unto the, the Lord as long as I live. I will, I will sing, sing praise to my God while I have my being. So uh, this hymn that Sandra chose for us is based on such a hymn full of praise. No wonder why she says she right. uses it for her prayer right. and praise time. But the words that this hymn writer uses, I mean, are different from here. Right. Are, they're different, but they're amazing. I know. I know. So there was a process for this. So this comes from a Bible translator who was living in the 1500s in Scotland. His name was William Cathay. Kethe? 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 I think that there's probably some better Scottish way of saying K-E-T-H-E. Yeah. And he worked to help translate the Geneva Bible, which is in 1560. Wow. And he, this man, contributed 25 psalms to a Psalter that was published in 1561. So he... I'm not going to say he was the original person, but we're talking 500 years ago. This man was putting the exact words of the Psalms, probably from his work as being a Bible translator, into tunes. And that is what inspired our hymn writer with O Worship the King. He liked Ketha's version of it. Is that how I'm saying it? Yeah, Ketha. He liked Ketha's version of Psalm 104. And so he took those sorts of words. So now you can see that it's kind of been changed a few times. And he created Oh Worship the King. Well, and it's amazing to think about. I mean, how are the people of Scotland in the year 1500 Mm. reading the Bible? I mean, they need someone to translate it into Scottish. I guess. And then this guy goes one step further and creates music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this guy, William Ketha, fun fact, William Ketha wrote the tune to a hymn that is based on a very well-known psalm, and we still sing it today. Ooh. And it is Psalm 100. Psalm 100? (laughs) Psalm 100, and it is commonly known as All People That On Earth Do Dwell. All people that on earth do dwell. It is in our hymnal. He took the, the Psalm 100 and made it into All People That On Earth Do Dwell. And eventually that tune has stayed on. Yeah, and it's in our hymnal. It's so totally we could find Kether in our hymnal index. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you guys could. So 
Okay, the hymn writer of Oh Worship the King, the text writer, he finds what Cather has done mm-hmm. and makes his own hymn. Mm-hmm. So let's look at the words of Oh Worship the King. What we hear most is just praising God and his creation. Right. You heard it in the psalm that we just read. We praised right. God for the herbs right. and the grass for the cattle. And the lions. Right. <laughs> and right. the sun and the sky. Yeah. First one. O worship the king, all glorious above. O gratefully sing his power and his love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. So this is a verse of praise to God. And Mm -hmm. you can hear the different terms from the Psalms. He is the shield. He is the defender. He is full of power and his love. One of the books that I found while researching this hymn was written by a hymnologist, and they talked about that this hymn was definitely inspired by 104, but also inspired by God's creation story that's found in Genesis and Exodus. But rather than paraphrase the psalm or paraphrase Genesis and Exodus, this hymn writer focused on how creation is a testimony to God's measureless might. We see that here in verse 1. I mean, he is power. He is mighty. And he's able to do these beautiful things. And even after creation, you see this in the hymn as well, God continues to bless his creation. Even we who are feeble and frail, God blesses his creation. So let's look at verse 2, Care. Okay. Oh, tell of his might. Oh, sing of his grace. Whose robe is the light. Whose canopy space. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunderclouds form. And dark is his path. On the wings of the storm. Again, very poetic. So this, he's actually naming the things that he's done. He's formed the thunderclouds, the light, the space, um, the storm. God has controlled and created all of it. And so, of course, it also says like what our response is to Mm -hmm. all of his greatness, right? Mm -hmm. We're supposed to tell of his might. We want to tell and share. So this hymn is telling us what we should do. Right. And that is a theme throughout the entire hymn. It's we're not just like viewing creation. We're not just appreciating creation. We're praising him and telling others about it. Mm. Now, verse three is not in our hymnal. It has been dropped, you know, over time. But we were able to find the original words. I wonder if some of you have this in your hymnal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can check. All right. Here's the original verse three. The earth with its store of wonders untold, Almighty thy power hath founded of old. Established it fast by a changeless decree, and round it hath cast, like a mantle, the sea. So that's really specifically talking about the beautiful creation, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, the wonders of the earth. Yeah. And I love that it says like wonders untold. I feel like that means we don't even know right. all that it is here, all that there is to, you know, it makes me think of like parts of this world that we haven't explored yet. Right. Parts. I always think of that when they are like down in the ocean and they right. find a new, you know, fish right. way, way in the depths that no one's ever seen or a plant life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe even alien life. <laughs> okay. So now we're at verse four, which we do have in our hymnal. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. 
I mean, this is so poetic. We're talking about how much God cares for us and loves us. Mm-hmm. And he is able to just give us all of these images mm-hmm. of how that care and love is everywhere, mm-hmm. all around us. Mm-hmm. Now, this is verse five, but in our hymnal, it's the final verse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds us how we are sinners, that we live in a broken world. We are broken. And God is the one who reconciles us. God is the only one. Mm -hmm. Frail children of dust and feeble as frail. In thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end. Our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Amazing. I feel like we're just throwing so many words out there. Mm -hmm. Like, which word is going to resonate with you? Hymnologists have said that it's this verse that switches from being the creator, and it points to Christ. I mean, Christ is the redeemer. Christ is our friend. So he's talking about God's mercy, Mm -hmm. and it's so tender, and we see that mercy in the person of Jesus Christ. Right, right. All right, so there's one more verse. Right, so this is not found in many hymnals either. No, So we'll see if you guys have this one. This would be verse 6. O measureless might, ineffable love, while angels delight to worship thee above. The humbler creation, though feeble their lays, with true adoration shall lisp to thy praise. So, I mean, maybe this was eliminated because... It really wasn't necessary, but it also has kind of some weird words. I know, it's a little confusing. What's ineffable love? I mean, I'm assuming it's something awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming it's just unending. I was thinking unchanging. Unmistaken. You know what it means? What? We looked it up. It's too great or extreme to be expressed or described in words. I mean, like I can't even have the words. It's ineffable. But I don't understand, like, who is using that word and not talking about God? There's, Um, like, no other reason to use it. If it's so wonderful, you can't put it into words. I mean, we could say that about how we feel about our spouse or something. Maybe. No, it's like the ineffable natural beauty of the waterfall. I mean, I don't know. The beach, the ocean, the sunset, it's ineffable. I guess. But I think it it has to be about God. I think it has to be about God. Mm -hmm. Wow. So when Sandra told us she loved this this hymn, she specifically said that she loved how God was illustrated in the lyrics. I mean, we just read them yeah, all. Yeah. You know, we're talking about his splendor, his grace, his mercy. We're calling him mighty and, and our friend and defender. Yeah. We're calling him ineffable. Yeah, she just says it's a powerful, powerful hymn. Mm-hmm. And and here, here it is. I mean, those words are amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Who is the guy who wrote them? I know it's time. We have to tell you all about him. This is the man who wrote the words. Robert Grant was born January 15th, 1780 in Calcutta, India. Wow. He was living in India. His father was a director of the East India Company. So he had this life that was, you know... In two different countries, he spent his time in England and in India. He ended up going to Magdalene College, which is in Cambridge. He was called to the bar in 1807. He also ended up the governor of Bombay. And he was a member of British Parliament. And while he was a member of British Parliament, he sponsored a bill to remove civil restrictions on Jews. He was actually knighted in 1834. So he is actually Sir Sir Robert Robert Grant. Grant. 
I mean, if we're going to have a night on mm-hmm. the podcast, mm-hmm. he should get some applause. Mm-hmm. Now, he had many hymn texts, and mm-hmm. they were published in different publications. He died in 1838, but after his death, his brother, which I think is so sweet, mm-hmm. his brother had more hymns published in a book called Sacred Poems in 1839. He is definitely most known for being a hymn writer, but he wrote um, a, a history of the East India Company. It was called The Expediency Maintained of Continuing the System by Which the Trade and Government of India Are Now Regulated. That sounds like a good read. (laughs) I mean, he was just a little bit of everything. All right. So I think this is so funny. We're talking about the East India Company. Don't you feel like in school when we were kids, we heard about the Mm -hmm. East India Company Mm -hmm. a lot? All right. So here's a fun fact. (laughs) You know that we're in Boston. Yes. And of course, Boston is famous for many things. Many things. I mean, the Red Sox. The Freedom Trail. Paul Revere. Boston cream pie? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Boston cream pie. Do we even know that it's a Boston thing? I don't know. But anyway, of course we have the Boston Tea Tea Party. Party. I mean, we learn about all of this in our elementary school. I know. Kids have learned about it. And we've gone to the Boston Tea Party Shipping Museum. Do you think they learn about it in other parts of the country? Is that like a Boston thing? Yeah, you have to We learned about the Boston Tea Party and visited the ship. Yeah. Now, way back during colonial days, this is like 1773, the East India Company has this large amount of surplus tea. What of course. They, what are they going to do with all their tea? So, but, And the company was kind of failing. So the British Parliament decided that the tea could be shipped to the colonies and it would be taxed at the po- point of entry. It would be Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, and Charleston. So, of course, in Boston, <laughs> the colonists say, oh, this tax is ridiculous. They throw the tea Overboard. Overboard. And here we have this hymn writer working for this company. I almost feel like it's almost treason. Almost treason. Almost treason for us to be talking about it. Although I really think we could be hymn talk, twin talk, tea talk. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just keep talking about the tea, Carrie. (laughs) Well, I thought you were going to say hymn talk, twin talk, history talk. Hymn talk, twin talk, treason talk. Taken off the air. Can you imagine all that tea? Oh my gosh, what a waste. What a waste. <laughs> and the water must have tasted good after all that tea dropped <laughs> Who's in. Who's drinking the water? All the fish. <laughs> all right, so let's look at another hymn that he wrote, just for fun. And we'll wonder why this isn't in our hymnals. This hymn is called When Gathering Clouds. And it was written by Robert Grant in 1806. The man who wrote the music is named Jeremiah Ingalls, someone we don't know. And it actually has the words slowly. So this is a slow hymn. When gathering clouds around I view And days are dark and friends are few On him I lean who not in vain experienced every human pain he sees my wants allays my fears and counts and treasures up my tears now he's written a handful of hymns but i purposely chose this one to share because it's so different from O Worship the King. And I read that, and I think that he must have had, like, dark moments in his life. 
He has no friends. He says that he's experienced every human pain. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? The third verse says, When soaring over some stone I bend, which covers what was once a friend. I wonder if Jeremiah, Jeremiah Ingalls, when he put the music to it, if he was like, this is too sad. I want to make it a little bit more upbeat. Because the music does not match these sad words. Sorry, Jeremiah, but we don't think you did a good job of putting the music to <laughs> When Clouds Gather. I actually really like the tune. Yeah. So, of course, you know, you have the metrical index. These are all eights, eight, eight, eight. eight. We could definitely find other a words. Better, a yeah. better tune. Yeah. In fact, we should write one. Oh, we could write one. <laughs> all right. But the music to A Worship the King yes. was such a great marriage of music and words. I feel like it matches it so nicely. Absolutely. And like what Sandra said, it's majestic. You want right. to hear it on the organ. Right. Well, this is really weird because for centuries, we didn't know who wrote the music to A Worship the King. In many hymnals, this hymn is attributed to one of the Haydn brothers. In the hymnal that I found, it said attributed, so A-T-T-R, Michael Haydn, and then arranged, A-R-R, Joseph Haydn. Even saying attributed, it just says that's who we think it is. Right. We don't, we don't really know for sure. It's not like it was written by. Yeah. So no one really knew. Now, these are these two musical brothers. Franz Joseph Haydn is probably the more famous Mm -hmm. of the two. Mm -hmm. Um, He's called the father of the symphony. Love it. And I don't know, there's a many, many famous pieces that he's written, but I feel like everybody knows the surprise symphony. Right. It's kind of the nickname for symphony number 94. It goes, bum, 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 dum, 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 dum. You have to picture the orchestra playing nice and light during this. Do, 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 do. And then there was a loud sound. It, and that was so the surprise. It's like the nickname. The kids would call it the surprise symphony. So you're just sitting there listening, and it's so beautiful. And then when that chord comes, you're like, you know, whoop. Right, right. Yeah. And it's actually not that loud. It really shouldn't be, like, so jarring. But, of course, I remember with piano students, we would be like, let's make it, let's really make it loud. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's Franz Joseph Haydn. So somehow these brothers get associated with this hymn, mm-hmm. Michael Haydn, and Joseph Haydn, both of them were working in royal families Collaborate. where they were commissioned to be writing music constantly. So a lot of the times, I mean, they're similar. They're kind of repeating. There's so much music. We probably can't even know the amount of music these classical composers really wrote because they were just writing constantly, writing constantly. So. I think it makes sense that you have a composer living during this time writing music and maybe the music kind of sounds like it and before you know it, you know, they get credit for it. But through my research, I found a church in Indiana. It's the first Christian church. It's still there. And the music director at the time named Daniel McKinley, he tasks his assistant, Margaret Dinsmore, with trying to figure out who is the who is the composer. She digs and digs and digs. She reminds me of us. I know. I wonder how long it took her. Like, are we talking about a couple of days? Are we talking about years? Are we talking about full days of research? And she figures out the writer. She solves, you guys, the hymn mystery. And she, the reason why I found her is because she ended up publishing an article in a journal. And in that journal has everything that she found. We did a little bit more research. And we are so excited to tell you 
we have this interview for you guys. Kelly and I sat down with someone with a very special relationship to this hymn. Right. What are the chances? I know. It's been really fun. So, Kelly, let's just show them the interview. This is kind of all like right. a big surprise. Yes, a big surprise for all of you and maybe a hymn talk to and talk first. Oh. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Our special interview for episode 67. All right, everybody. Hi, everyone. We said there would be a surprise. And look, can you see we're in a different place? Okay, Him Talk Twin Talk is on the road. Yep, we took a field trip <laughs> to a, a quaint little town called Danvers. Danvers. Massachusetts is not that far from us. No. But we are joined by this distinguished gentleman. Yes. Do you see? There's a third person. It's not a twin of ours. Nope, not this time. <laughs> not this time. All right, tell us who you are. I'm Dan McKinley. I'm the Minister of Music, Organist, and Choir Master at Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church in Danvers. Dan McKinley. We are so happy to have Dan here. We reached out to him. We told him what we were doing with Oh Worship the King. He has a special connection to the song. Mm -hmm. So he's here to talk about it. But tell us a little bit about your job here in Danvers. Well, I'm full-time. I'm the only person who's ever held the, held the position. Right, that's the right. Chur the church started in 2009, and we uh, came out of Christ Church of Hamilton and Wenham, where uh -huh. I was for 11 years. Wow. And so uh, it's a wonderful posi position, wonderful uh, choir, and wonderful uh, church to, to be a part of. And this church loves the hymns. Oh, yes. That's awesome. Everybody sings beautifully, oh. and, uh, you know, I can drop out and let everybody sing a cappella on a verse or even a whole hymn it's uh, you don't want to do that too much people think oh why do we need an organist? why do we need them? don't do we, we can do it without them no 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 yeah that, so it, it's this church here in danvers before yeah. that it was the church in hamilton yes and before that tell us where you were i was at first christian church columbus indiana mm. which okay. is Columbus, Indiana. Does mm -hmm. that sound familiar That's to anybody? The That's the church. He started in Indiana and ended up down the street from us so we could have this conversation in person. Yeah. Exactly. Normally, we would call you and get on Zoom. That's right. what we usually do. Right. But he's here. So we visited him. So we know that your church in Indiana had a big hymnal project. Tell us about that. You were behind it, right? Yes. The church had its own hymnal that it developed in the 40s. Mm -hmm. And uh, after 40 years, it was time to get a new one. So uh, I had a committee of 16 people that we uh, were the selection committee. The hymnal never happened. Uh -huh. We worked on it for 10 years, but it never happened. A new minister came in and said it was a threat. So... Uh, so the minister, he was really pushing for the praise music. Yes. Yeah, contemporary praise. As opposed to anything else that, uh, you know, he's not aware that uh, there is a 1,500-year-old treasury right. of Christian music. Right. No, throw it all out. Um, we don't need all that stuff. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot on the show when we get a hymn is when we when we're researching it, the people of the time, they might not have liked it either. They might have said, this hymn is too new, it's too modern, we don't like it. Mm. So this is a recurring problem with worship music. You, they, want to they don't want anything new, they only want the old, or they don't want anything old and they only want the new, but the real answer is both. You have to get the right balance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And he yeah. didn't want any balance, no hymns. No. Mm -hmm. mm. So he stopped the project. Um... I resigned. Oh. 
that was the end of it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's sad. <laughs> that's awful. Oh. So it had taken 10 years. How close were you to finishing? Did it feel like you were almost done? Well, we were closer than we were 10 years before. <laughs> <laughs> it's always an issue with, with uh, people who are trying to do their very best. Mm-hmm. Is to, when did you say, all right, it's time to stop? But we were working with new software, Finale, which is the sort of the industry standard for music writing software. Mm -hmm. But we were learning it. And Finale still isn't particularly user-friendly, but it was much less so 30 years ago. Wow. Uh, So we had a a lot to do. You were really ambitious. Like, this was a huge project. Did you have a goal as to how many hymns you wanted included? Were you saying like 300 or 500? Like what were you hoping to get? We were hoping to get whatever number we decided. Yeah, really? it could have really? been. Yeah. 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 Um, it had to fit within the pew rack. That's so. true. That's true. That's a real <laughs> could, problem. Could you couldn't like have something pages. that was this t- much too thick right, that right. It w- then it wouldn't fit. And you had this idea for a very unique and different kind of hymnal. Tell us about that. A lot of the hymns were going to have the text printed on the left page and the music interlined with the words on the right page. Mm. So you could read the text mm. as poetry, as devotion, a material, and yet you, mm-hmm. if you n- needed to, didn't know the tune all that well, you could sing it uh, st- straight through right. with the words and music interline. It's the best of both the American way, which is to interline uh, hymns with uh, music and words, and the British way, which is to print the poetry and have only the music so that you're constantly. Right playing tennis or ping pong going back and forth if you don't know the tune now to your knowledge does this kind of hymnal exist anywhere no i know i've never seen that no we were gonna we were gonna do it you were breaking new ground revolutionary yeah i mean and and one of the reasons is because um most hymnals try to cram as much as they possibly can in so you don't have this luxury of being able to do that Mm -hmm. So because we, it was just going to be for our congregation, Mm. and there are only so many hymns that we're going to be able to teach a congregation. Uh, So, you know, there was no need to say, oh, we've got to have 15,000 hymns that fit in this, this little book. But I love that. I mean, Kelly, we talk about like studying yes. the words and, and really understanding them, right. right? Not just singing through, but really meditating on those words. Right, and using the hymn as a devotion. And I, that was their idea. I know. I love that. Because that's what Hymn Talk Twin Talk is all about. It's right. about looking at this poetry. Mm. And some hymns have such beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful words. I mean, yeah. especially the ones that have been around so long. Right, right. You know? And using it as a real personal way of worship, not just on Sunday mornings. But at home, too. Yeah, and not just singing, right? but like just reflecting on and meditating on. I think that's so incredible. So we cannot wait to hear your story about Oh, Worship the King. But before we get there, is there any other sort of surprise or something that you uncovered or something that was just really special to you in your Mm -hmm. course of researching? Well, we commissioned two hymn texts from the British uh, Anglican retired Bishop Timothy Dudley Smith. And Bishop Dudley Smith is probably the the most widely published uh, modern hymn writer. 
And and he uh, hasn't been on our show yet, Carrie. I know. Yeah. I can't, we're going to have to find one from him. <laughs> yes. We well, he to. was he was born on December the 26th, 1926. Wow. So he is now 95. Wow. And he, he lives in Cambridge. And he his last overseas trip was to Christchurch Hamilton in 2001. Oh, wow. wow. And, and he and his wife both came and they said, I don't think we'll travel overseas again we're getting too old for yeah. this but uh, i've i've seen him since in england but uh, and so he, you asked for two <clears throat> hymns specifically yep. for this hymnal yeah the first section of the book was going to be a series of of biblical paraphrases mm-hmm. and we had nothing on the first three chapters of genesis so i said <laughs> can you write us some something on the first three chapters of genesis wow and we had we had uh, nothing particular that paraphrased uh, john chapter three nicodemus visiting jesus oh. so we did these two marvelous hymn texts that are not all right i'm writing this because i've been requested right, right. to and therefore it doesn't sound all that great but here it is no it's wonderful oh, wonderful and he words. wrote the words and the music no he wrote the words okay. and then i set the music okay. to the, chose the chose the tune for looks like we might have our next episode already i, I mean yeah. i feel like we know we have to do <laughs> this at some point yes so what an exciting time for your church you have these original hymns being written you have original texts. You have this revolutionary hymnal right. that you're creating. I feel like people would have been fighting to get on the committee. <laughs> I, I would have wanted to be on that committee. I would have been, wanted to be on it Were too. people like dying to pick get on me, this committee? It was a hard working group. Yeah. Who wants to work hard? I mean, it is church volunteers. Church, those, poor church volunteers. Yeah, they work hard. <clears throat> so, I mean, that brings us to a oh, worship, worship the, the king. king. So, tell us. Uh, what was going on with that hymn? What did you find out? I assigned um, <clears throat> one of our hymn, hymn committee members uh, the the task of doing the research mm-hmm. of the attributions of the, of the texts and tunes. Who wrote this text? Who wrote this tune? Most cases, somebody else has already done that detective work. For the sake uh, for the tune, uh, Lyon. Um, L-Y-O-N-S, which we anglicize as lions, Lion, but yes, uh, yeah. is actually uh, about the, the city in, in France. Um, it had been attributed both to Joseph Haydn, the great composer, and right. his brother Michael Haydn, and um, set as a tune uh, sometime in the early 1800s. But there was always this question mark of who actually wrote it. Mm. Well, my uh, researcher, who was uh, uh, stalwart of the soprano section and a member of the hymn committee and my part-time secretary and a great uh, researcher, librarian (laughs) on on her own right, uh, got to work at it. And the more she discovered... uh, you know, you open a door and you find, oh, there's another door right. that needs to be opened and walked through. So she was doing all of that and discovered that this tune was written not by either of the Haydn brothers, but by a uh, fellow born in Germany who was working in Sweden. 
and who the uh, at least Joseph Haydn said he's he's a genius. Apparently right. met right. Him, met him, and said he's you know well he wrote this set of of uh, variations mm-hmm. on this tune, and you look at the music and you say oh I know what that tune is. Mm-hmm. It's Lyon, and um, but of course. Whoever did this, Mr. Gardner, I think is his name in mm-hmm. the early 1800s, he's going to get more uh, more bump for his money out of uh, uh, listing a Haydn mm-hmm. or a Mozart or a Beethoven as mm-hmm. the source of his tune rather than uh, uh, Joseph Martin Krauss that nobody's ever heard of. Right. So. I mean, a hymn writer in Sweden. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody right. knows who that is. One of, one of the uh, great resources is hymnary.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're that, there a lot. That started out as a, a card index at uh, Wittenberg University in, oh. in Ohio and uh, under the sponsorship of the Hymn Society in the United States and Canada. And um, so she got intrigued and she asked the librarian there uh, is have you heard of this fellow Krauss and she said no and so she thought well I think I'm on to something wow. here and this, so is, exciting. this is helped greatly by the good people at the Indiana University School of Music Library mm. which has uh, you know vast resources right. and so uh, little by little, she discovered that, oh, this music is is indeed by Krauss, and she communicated with a fellow who's the uh, who is a professor at a university in Washington, mm-hmm. Washington, Washington State, and he's the Krauss expert. Oh, wow. wow. And, and so, uh, you know, he's done the bio or the cataloging of all of, of uh, Joseph Krauss's work and said, oh, yes, this is this occurred well before it couldn't have been before it could have been written by either of the Haydn brothers. Mm-hmm. And so uh, bingo. Wow. Of course, that doesn't mean that the hymn, current hymnals all have got right. on board that. They're right. still trying their best. You know, well, it says here in this hymnal that this is attributed to Michael Haydn. Who has time to figure out anything else? Right. So, right. you know, well, there we, you go. Well, that's what we do. We, mm-hmm. I know. We, do, we do just what Margaret did. We go into and we research and we open one door and it goes to another. And we keep going. And that's how I ended up finding the actual journal that sh- her findings were published in. Right. Um, and we often say, like, we go down this rabbit hole yeah, yeah. Right, of research. And sometimes the rabbit hole yields beautiful exciting exciting information and sometimes we go down the rabbit hole and it's just like two hours of nothing there's nothing (laughs) there um so the researcher was named margaret dismore Mm -hmm. and we are just so happy we get to know her and we want you all we want everybody to know her name margaret Margaret dismore Dismore. i'm gonna give her some applause right there so and and where does she live now she's in johnson city tennessee okay but she's about 89 years old mm-hmm. and she's just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer oh. so i actually talked to her on sunday she called me interestingly enough See how funny and that is? i thought well margaret i really needed to talk to you to tell you what's happening with <laughs> this podcast wonderful. but she sounded very very weak and she's yeah. actually in hospice okay oh. so she'll be with the lord not all that long from right, now, right. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think it's amazing that even we're doing a worship the king now. How when did this request right. come into us? Uh, a few months ago. A few months ago. Yeah, we it wasn't that long. Get to it, and I googled Dan McKinley, and it comes that he's in Denver. Yeah, Denver. <laughs> so, so you resigned from that from the position, sadly, and then you came to Massachusetts after that. It was about a year. About yeah. a year. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it's so wonderful to sit down and talk with you. And now we have an, an even bigger treat for our listeners. Mm -hmm. You guys, we've asked Dan to play the organ here at his church. Right. And this organ is beautiful. The church is beautiful. And he is a seasoned organist. Right, right. I mean, this is great to be able to hear him play this organ. All right. So we actually already shared his organ playing earlier in the episode. Right, right, right. But now we just really wanted to hear a little bit more of that organ music, mm -hmm. this beautiful tune mm -hmm. by Joseph Martin Krauss. Mm -hmm. All right, let's hear it. goodness wasn't that amazing so wonderful just a true true organist so we are going to share this church's information with mm -hmm. all our listeners so mm -hmm. they could actually find you on youtube you could actually watch the services mm -hmm. wherever you are in the world yeah. you can find the service so we'll share all the information with you in our show notes and on our social media mm -hmm. so we have to dive into this one even more kel right. we're going to talk about this joseph, joseph martin, martin kraus a swedish hymn writer no, german sweets german hymn writer who was living in Sweden. Okay, I get it right, Gary. <laughs> German Empire living in Sweden. Okay, I have to go back to my notes. Yeah, yeah. And whose hymn tune was in French, Lyon. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Dan, for being here with us and, and you. sharing your music with us. We loved it. Yeah, and sharing all your knowledge. It's wonderful to sit down next to a fellow hymn lover. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. All right, we're saying bye to Dan now. Bye to Dan. Back to Joseph Martin Krauss. All right, wasn't that so interesting? <laughs> so we found this fun local connection. Yeah, I mean, I would never imagine that we would be connected to this person mm -hmm. with this research that took place, you know, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So basically, Kelly, any hymnal that's being published now right. would have this new information mm -hmm. and we wouldn't have this weird, you know, attributed to sub title right it would just be joseph martin kraus mm -hmm. all right let's hear about him joseph martin kraus was born on june 20th 1756 in mittlenburg am maine germany 
Again, that's probably a better way of pronouncing that. Okay, now, so we have this German composer, and then he moved to Sweden. Now, he was elected because of his musical talents to the Swedish Academy of Music, and he eventually became the conductor of the court orchestra there. But his, he's most known for being the composer associated with the court of Gustavus III. Now, we just talked about the Haydn and how they would work for some court or someone in royalty right, right. who would pay them to compose. And that's what this man did, Joseph Martin Krauss, under the rule of Gustavus III. Now, he was also a Roman Catholic, and he was working in a Protestant court. So this was new for him, too, and he did feel like the pull between the two, but he stayed loyal to the king, and while working for the Swedish king, they traveled everywhere. He went to Germany, Austria, Italy, France, England, and eventually returning back to Sweden. He really thought that he was going to be working for this Gustavus III for many, many years. But Gustavus was assassinated in the spring of 1792. And apparently Krauss himself witnessed the assassination. He wrote the music for the funeral. And if you listen to that funeral music, it says that it shows how heavy he was grieving at the loss of his king, his employer. Maybe I'm, the his whole friend. country, the whole country mm-hmm. was grieving. And his health soon declined. Gustavus was assassinated in the spring that same year our Joseph Martin Krauss died in December. Okay, well, I found this to be kind of a f- cool coincidence or a fun fact. <laughs> but Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born the exact same year in 1756 mm-hmm. and died just a year later. Just a year later. They had almost like parallel lives, mm-hmm. creating music, working for the ch- the courts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was really the same time as the Haydn brothers. Right. So one of the things that I read said that probably this hymn would never have been misattributed if Krauss lived at another time. Right. The fact that he was there in the shadow of these two other composers, plus more, plus more. Uh, yeah. You know, who has heard of Krauss? Right. It's going to be like... 200 years from now, when people look back at hymn podcasts, <laughs> they're going yes. to definitely forget which hymn podcast went with the twins and which one didn't. Right. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some misattribution there. Right, of course. <laughs> All right, so where were we? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that the worlds of secular music and sacred music yeah. had a ton of crossover. Okay. It's not so much right. like that anymore. Right. Um, if we see a secular hymn, you know, we don't want to sing it in church. If we, and, and the world might not really want to sing a sacred song. Right. I think we see sacred music getting, making the crossover to pop, you know, because mm-hmm. you have an artist like yeah. Carrie Underwood or yeah. something. So yeah. we do see it that way. But the idea that there's some secular music that gets performed in the church, mm-hmm. I think, is unlikely. Mm-hmm. But in the classical music world, you know, these composers were writing both. So right. the idea that you would play a Haydn piece in a church, I mean, that just made perfect sense. Right. So the classical piece that Krauss wrote was actually a minuet with 12 variations for piano and violin. And of course, there's like an Italian title. Yeah. That's basically That's basically it. it. <laughs> and so it's just the tune. And eventually, someone was able to hear that tune in one of the variations, and it is the tune from O Worship the King. Now, this tune is called Lions, L Y. Ions, but they really think it's, you know, Lyon's from an area in France. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 
Kel, I think we're done. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have a wonderful performance to share. Yes. I reached out to the music director at First Baptist Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. Wow. His name is Stephen Thomason, and he sings it. He has a lovely voice. It's organ, pipe organ accompaniment. Mm-hmm. I think with a song like this, you want to hear it in its yes. most traditional yes. way, right? Actually, I want to hear it as a congregational hymn. I know. One of these days. We'll do it in church and we'll we'll share it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So Stephen Thomason, he sings, he leads the choir, and he has this full time job at this church. But what I think is most interesting, fun fact, he's a twin. <laughs> Him talk, twin talk, tea talk, <laughs> fraternal twin talk. <laughs> so um, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys listening to Stephen. Oh, oh worship the, the king. king. Inspiring me, Carrie, to pick this hymn for one oh. a Sunday coming up. Yeah, yeah. So, if you are interested, this is the First Baptist Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You can find the church online. They also have a YouTube channel, so you can, you know, view their sermons mm-hmm. and services. Mm-hmm. It says that the mission of the church is to become and help others become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Mm. Perfect. All right, a special thank you to our friend in Danvers, Massachusetts. Daniel McKinley. Yep. Hopefully we'll be collaborating with him some more. Oh, I hope so. A huge shout out and thank you to Margaret Dinsmore, who was the one who put in the work and figured this out for us. She put in the work so we didn't have to. Yes, exactly. And thank you to Sandra for bringing this hymn to our attention. Mm -hmm. We hope next time you sing it, you have all of these thoughts Mm -hmm. and words like running through your head to make your worship even more meaningful. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. We will see you in a couple weeks. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.